All right, now that we're recording, and that eight and a half minute intro that we did earlier, that was great. Let's let's go ahead and let's see if we can restart the show in a different way. How about that? I'm super excited. Fuck yeah. Now that we're actually recording, and if you're listening to this, you missed about seven and a half, maybe eight minutes of uh, Chase and I just kind of shooting the shit about Home Depot and <laughs> tools. <laughs> and but if that sounds like content that you're missing out on... You can watch it on Chase's channel, Chase504. Yeah. He has it there. Um, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about tool. We're going to talk about the band tool. I'm in. And uh, uh, the moment at which I realized that we actually weren't recording what what we were talking about was when I was going to ask Chase what his experience with Tool was. So I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Chase, tell me what your experience with Tool has been slash is. Wow, this is uh, the first time I've heard this question. <laughs> uh, so I'm totally unprepared. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, tool. Tool, tool, tool. So my uncle was uh, a giant fan of Primus, Tool, a perfect circle and uh like uh talking heads that's your uncle sounds pretty awesome they're probably his four like favorite bands i might be doing them like an injustice there but uh my experience with tool is purely from him exposing me to what he deemed was uh safe to expose me to that my mother wouldn't get pissed off about fair enough um so a lot of what I understand about Tool was from that time and him showing me like the music videos, which totally were not cool to my still developing brain. No. So I believe it was there. There's a music video where it's like they have some type of parasite growing on them. They're like weird clay yeah, animation. Schism. That's the schism. It's schism. Yeah. I remember being like pull it out of there. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. I remember being disturbed by that music video for weeks and months on end. Of course, it is radically disturbing. It is a disturbing music video. I also remember the music video for Prison Sex pretty well, understandably. But also, I remember how kick-ass Prison Sex sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So you got the message. Yeah. So it was a you know it was a fine balance. And I remember just liking Tool, but I always felt like uh, I just kind of missed the bubble. Like, I didn't have any friends that listened to Tool at school, so there's no one, like, to go talk to about it. Yeah. There wasn't new albums coming out that my friends and I were excited about. It was, like, also before, like, things were instantly available, right? Like, if I wanted if I wanted to listen to, listen to Tool, I had to burn a CD from, like, my uncle's, like, computer and just have... The one. The one. Yeah. 
I couldn't just instantly flip through their whole That's a good collection. Point. That's a good point. So what what around what year was this? Do you remember? Uh, I would have been in like sixth grade. So I don't know. What was that like two thousand eleven? I don't. <laughs> that would have been like two thousand four. Okay. All right. So now I'm starting to understand kind of the the era within which yeah, two thousand four through like two thousand. Seven was okay. probably like my introduction to it. Fair enough. So um, I had a si- similar kind of sort of like my older brother really loved my Tool. My uncle also told you about it? Yeah, your uncle also told you. Dude, my, it's got reach. <laughs> my older brother really loves Tool. And uh, he introduced me to it when I was a freshman in high school. So I was probably like 12 at the time. Mm. Uh, this was like... 2001 i was like eighth grade eighth grade ish eighth grade freshman in high school like 2001 was like right when lateralis came out so it must have been 2001 2002 and uh tool was actually one of the first concerts i ever went to that's badass yeah it was sick he picked me up from school and we drove to bakersfield which is like a two-hour drive holy shit yep and then we went directly to the concert and he drove us back and it was it was fucking radical it's one of the best shows i've ever seen we still talk about to this day uh, since then, getting choked up. It's getting okay. Choked up. Uh, since then, I think I've seen Tool. I don't know, fifteen or twenty times. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him once. Yeah, I've seen him a lot. I haven't seen them. You you should go see. Them. I watchn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're they're incredible. They're incredible live. They have like a a really great energy. Uh, their music's fantastic. I I really fell in deep. Like yeah. I went, I went hardcore. I had no one to talk to about it. So you almost, you almost like, would you say you believed in the, 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 the almost religious, religious sect that is built up around Tool, like the whole ideology around what um, they think of society and other people. In a way, yes, I definitely was aware that like the the stereotypical Tool fan was kind of a, a douche. Like, I was very aware of that. And the reason why I was aware of that is because I was very active on the Tool Band forums. Oh, very active. And so I interacted with them constantly. And as, like, a 12-year-old <laughs> on the internet, a 12-year-old who's, who's, like, you know, well-spoken and maybe a little too smart for his own good, uh, both smart in, like, the intelligence sense, but also smart in, like, the being an asshole on the internet sense, uh... I, I definitely got into a lot of internet arguments over, like, whatever, anything. It was like, lyrics, let's argue. <laughs> the story behind something, let's argue about that, too. I don't care. And so I realized that uh, I realized that the average Tool fan is pretty fucking... It's just... And they wound up pretty tight, you'd say? Yeah, they're wound up pretty tight. They're, like, mm-hmm. obsessed with everything Tool in a way that is is exhausting. It's exhausting to be... And it's exhausting to be around, right? And that's why I was saying, while in the forgotten eight minutes of this podcast that I didn't hit the record button, uh, I'm over being like the hyper analytical, like everything Tool does is the best thing ever, like super insufferable fan. And Mm. I'm more into like, you know what? I'm ready for them when they tour. I'm ready for their music to come out. I'm ready to pay them for, you know, their work type thing. Nice. Um, but that said, I guess to answer your question, kind of yes. You know, Tool's lyrics and music really influence the way that I I view the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there's still lots of things like even now I just recently re-listened to all their albums and and I haven't been able to do that in years because they were not on streaming services. Right. And now as like a fucking adult, I'm like listening to this stuff. I'm like, oh, that's where I got that from. Cool. I'm really glad that it wasn't like fucking corn or Limp Biscuit that I got into <laughs> as, a, as a very like uh, malleable young man. Yeah. Instead, I actually learned, uh, I think, what I consider to be really valuable life lessons and really interesting perspectives on things. Yeah, it's a trip. I think your your tool, my tool, was Kanye West. Fair enough. I, I mean, I was that person except for the Kanye West. Tool like, is the Kanye West of yeah, prog, hard rock, metal. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so here's how we're going to organize this because I don't really know a good way of doing it because I can't just use every single song they've ever played, which is I mean, what I want to do. You could, but we also... Uh, well, I don't have time for that shit. No. I don't know if you have time for that shit. I have time for it. You don't have time for it. And again, like I said in the forgotten eight minutes of this, I've been waiting to do this my entire life. This is what you were born to do. This is what I was born to do. Talk about Tool. Um, but what we're going to do is uh, is what I think is a relatively simple way of doing things, which is just kind of pick one or two songs from each album. Okay. Because there's only four albums that are out on Spotify right now. It's It's in order. It's Undertow. Anima, Lateralis, and 10,000 Days. Uh, yeah. and I, I feel confident being able to pick two songs from each, except for 10,000 Days. I'm not super familiar with anything from 10,000 okay. Days. I mean, listen, either other way. Other than 10,000 I know days. that I know <laughs> that your your sort of like listenership of Tool is not as extensive of, as mine, but you've at least experienced pretty much everything that they've gotten out there. Yeah. Although there are a couple songs that I, I'm, I'm very confident that you have not gotten into. Uh, and I want to start with one of them, which is one I asked you about right before we started filming. Yeah. And it's called Bottom, and it's off of Undertow. And it goes something like this. Okay, uh, so Tool's first album, Undertow, is a much more like metal, grungy, heavy, yeah, fucking sound. I really, I really appreciate the sound on both, like Sober and Prison Sex. The, yeah, the songs I'm most familiar with from this, uh, they all have like that, like cave. I mean, not cave, chest caving in type of bass. Oh yeah, feel to them. Yeah, they want they. Um, it's like fighting music. 
Yeah, it also feels very hateful. And the lyrics are super fucking dark. It's a lot of it's about like abuse. A lot of it is about uh, like not being able to to get away from like growing up abused that sort of thing it's mm. it's it's perfect for the time like the early 90s right it's a very very yeah. telltale early 90s however the reason why i picked this song and the reason why i asked you whether you've heard this song is because this song features yet another act i guess from the early 90s henry rollins now we the didn't henry hear him rollins. we didn't hear him when he got when we the the minute or so that we listened to that song but i'm gonna go ahead and skip forward we're gonna fucking hear him okay and uh yeah, this is the type of thing that I think people really latched onto when they first heard Tool. Okay, great. You gotta have a breakdown, you know what I mean? That's how you get there. If I let you, you would make me destroy myself. In order to survive you, I must first survive myself. And I can sink no further. I cannot forgive you. There's no choice but to confront you, to engage you, to erase you. I've gone to great lengths to expand my threshold of pain. Use my mistakes against you. There's no other choice. There's no other choice. Nameless now. Nothing now. Spoken word Henry Rollins is really a classic one. Because my fear is naked. Naked and fearless, and my fear is naked. Yeah, so that's a real dark song. Shoot adds up at the bottom, dead inside, naked and fearless. A whole lot of uh, really happy lyrics in there. Rick's, uh, I mean, shit. 
Maynard sounds so much like Rick just in that song. Just as he was coming, uh, Rick Sanchez from <laughs> Rick and Morty. Just as he was coming, screaming over top of Henry Rollins there at the end. He sounds just like a soundbite of Rick yelling at Morty or Jerry. That he's dead inside? Anything. <laughs> just anytime Rick yells, he sounds like Maynard. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. It's probably intentional. It's a pretty cool thing. So I would say if you're going to listen to... Uh, a song well you've listened to about half of it so far that's definitely a good one though but that's a good one to listen to um this also shows kind of the relationship i think that tool had with their contemporaries because mm. i don't think anyone else did that right yeah not a lot of other people were doing that sort of thing but tool had a really good relationship with other metal acts in that time period because mm. they all you know tool came up in fucking la you know, right. That's one of the reasons why their next album is so much about how much they hate it. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, they came up in in L.A. and right. uh, you know that that sort of like grinding through the fucked up sort of bar scene and like music venue scene to like make it, and then seeing sort of the sordid underbelly that was um, the music industry. I think is a, is something that they and other metal acts from that time like bonded over about how shitty it was <laughs> to become like a best-selling yeah. artist like, like brothers and commiserating and, yeah exactly yeah um they even actually there's a really good maynard uh appearance on a rage against the machine song from around the same time i didn't know that i didn't, didn't know, know maynard that? was on a rage song We'll listen to that. I've one. missed this whole scene. Yeah, we'll honestly. listen to that later. Oh, that's that's really good. You, that's another one that you'll add to your to your regular uh, listenings. Your regular listenings. But um, this bottom one, I feel like, is going to be a real office. Uh, oh, this hit is a good one on on the office Sonos. <laughs> it's one of the yeah. It's one of those that you you blast really loud, like loud enough that when you're wearing cans, the people near you can hear it, and you're just like happily editing, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, and everyone's like. It's like, no, everything. Okay. No, no. not at all. Everything's everything is not in my head. Um, you mentioned, uh, swamp song and, oh no, you mentioned prison sex and sober and sober. Yeah. Those are, those are sober's probably the, the single most famous, uh, song off of this album. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's the most famous tool song, but it's definitely one of the more famous ones. Yeah. Uh, prison sex is a really good one. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and listen to a little bit. I would pick prison sex over top of sober. Yeah. Let's go ahead and listen to prison sex a little bit.
So good. Yeah, that's a fucking amazing song. And uh, again, it really leans into, you know, the name of the album is Undertow. Undertow is kind of like uh, uh, usually something that happens at the beach. Mm. Do you know what Undertow is? Yeah, isn't it the uh, the current that like rips pulls you, you back, back out? Exactly. It, it yeah. pulls you back away from the, the shore. And uh, that song is, you know, one of the lyrics that we just heard was like, do unto others what, what has been, been done to yeah. you. I'll do unto others what has been done to me. And it's like, I think it, it really talks to... Um, keeping the cycle going keeping that really fucked up cycle going of, <laughs> of uh you know child abuse is my guess is what what it's yeah about. you know i don't know what how they make that sound at the beginning the uh <clears throat> like the diving board sound or the I, I guess it sounds a little bit like a like a diving board sound and then like a like cranking of something yeah but that mixed along with the album cover of of this album which is a exposed rib cage at least that's what i think it is it looks like an exposed rib cage <clears throat> this makes me think of uh someone like breaking someone's ribs and then ripping their sternum apart hell yeah which is like the violence that this this song um uh, kicks out yeah and it's just heavy man uh, i know we've been talking about undertow for a while now but i wanted to point another one more song out on this this album because this album like i mentioned is their heaviest album probably because it's it's also their angriest album it's like early on i think they all were kind of very much affected by metal it was it was 93 they had just done uh, like opiate their first ep came out like 91 they were like touring Lollapalooza. um so they had really experienced that back end of like hair metal from the 80s and we're just so fucking over like listening to poison you know <laughs> yeah and so uh yeah you want to hit I that guy it. uh and so um the the effect of that i think is a very aggressive heavy angry sounding album however maynard has shown himself to be and tool as a band has shown themselves to be very funny. Yeah. And there is a song on this album, the very last track, which by the way, it's called disgustipated. That's neither here nor there. Disgustipated. Disgusting. Right. Disgustipated. Secondarily, if it's actually the 10th song on the album, but on the CD version, it's the 69th track. How's that work? Well, they go from track nine, which is Flood, mm-hmm. and then there is 60 empty tracks. It just skips and skips and skips and skips oh, that's and skips great. until it gets to How 69. Enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so you never really hear it. You basically just hear like about a minute of silence, and right. then the, the next song starts. And I always was confused by that as a child. Oh, sick. And as an adult, I got it. <laughs> anyway, Disgustipated... Um, as a sheltered teenager, I yeah. had no idea. <laughs> Disgustipated is not... Well, it's it's kind of like this weird, long, strange experiment of sounds. Except it has a really strange story to it, too. And it Great. goes something like this. Full of fear and terror possessed me then. And I begged, Angel of the 
of the song the lyrics are this is necessary life feeds on life repeated for about 10 minutes jesus christ to like this really dark driving like tribal drum pattern and bass line it's fucking awesome it's a great song but uh a little detail in there to notice is that when he says can i get an amen there's not only people saying amen but there are also a lot of sheep baying in the background that's (laughs) fucked up man so the sense of humor has always been there yeah and uh, I think that's about as good a time and place as any to transition to the next album in their lineup, Anima, which in itself is a bit of a joke. Right. It is a portmanteau, a combination of the Latin word anima, which means soul or mm-hmm. spirit, I think, and anima, <laughs> which is a douche. In your butthole. Yeah. To clean it out. A butt douche. A butt douche, which <laughs> most douches are. Are they? Uh yeah, I think I would I would say so. And uh well I guess you could have like a vaginal douche. Yeah, I thought I thought that was the main a nasal douche. I always use a nasal douche. An ocular douching. <laughs> uh but yeah, so this song this album starts with a song called Stink Fist. Which yep. is, um, at least on the surface, about fisting. Why don't we start there? Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. I just tool to me is so fucking perfect. It's just so perfect. And even after all these years that these songs, every one of their songs just is so it's aggressive. It's loud. It's in your face. The lyrical content is layered and nuanced mm-hmm. and thoughtful and poetic. Even when it's a joke about fisting. Yeah. It's, it's so, um, it's so layered and so well done that, 
the song, the title gets banned from MTV. They have to call it something else. Track one, I think, is what they called Track it. Track one or something yeah. like that. But the the lyrics remain the exact same. Yeah. So all all of the context and everything that he's saying is still there. They just they're like, well, you know, we can't say stink fist. Yeah. And they're like, we're you not might re- be the insinuation that you could be fisting somebody is a little too much. Yeah. But these lyrics seem fine. I don't even understand. Well, the the lyrical content is really about, um, and it's even now. 23 years later still accurate still very fucking accurate it's about overstimulation and purposefully seeking out more More and more stimulation because it's just not enough whatever it is you're consuming is not enough yeah it's the story of Pornhub essentially (laughs) I was gonna say like social media technology Instagram also definitely Pornhub it's definitely where it gets definitely Pornhub Um, it's not not porn that's it's sure. like it's like the closest association. It's just saying that you experience one thing. Let's say it's, um, man, I always really wanted a uh, North North Face backpack for school, and you finally get it. And you're like, this is sick, and then that becomes the norm to you. Then the next thing is like, man, I'd really like to have a car to drive to school, and then you get the car. The car's cool, and then it just like keeps escalating, and then you're like, man. I really need an SUV and I need some dope ass Louis Vuitton luggage. And it's like escalating, escalating, escalating. And it's just like this never ending fucking uh, staircase that ultimately ends with you uh, just having to kill yourself. Fisting yourself to death. Fisting yourself to death. Yeah. I think that's so exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. And I think that's the, that's kind of the vibe around this album. Um, it's, a social commentary in a lot of ways. The following track after Stink Fist is, you know, no one really knows exactly who it's about, but it's probably about L. Ron Hubbard hmm. uh, and Scientology, which is an easy target. Again, they grew, they like came up in L.A. Scientology is massive in L.A., um, so they probably saw a lot of that going on. Is there a particular song on this? Because I know where I would go next if I was going to just you know only limit. The, the tracks that we talk about very uh, aggressively, I know where I would go next. So I'm curious where you would go next. Um, I mean, if I'm listening to it, I go 46 and 2, but I also like Hooker with a Penis a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I so feel like pick. more people have heard 46 and 2. Hooker with a Penis probably doesn't get a lot of play, so we definitely should listen to that. All right, let's do it. Let's do that.
fucking love that song. Dude, it's so good. The message is so good. This it's so good. And people still I mean, people still get wrapped up in the it's the whole hipster thing, right? Yeah. Like, Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And it's so <laughs> on the nose. Again, it's another song where the title kind of uh, betrays what it could be about. You're like, I have no idea what the fuck hooker with a penis. Like, what is it you're trying to say? Well, the entire thing's about like music industry from a fans, like a creator's perspective, interacting with fans. Mm. And uh, even the the lyrics right after we stopped listening to it are, "All you know about me is what I sold you, you dumb motherfuckers." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I sold out long before you even ever even heard my name. Yeah, and it's like. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. So, you know, another thing that we we talked about in the forgotten eight minutes of this podcast was that they've had legal issues like lawsuits that have delayed them releasing a new album for the past 13 years or so. Christ. Well, they have never had a positive relationship with the record industry. That's crazy. And Hooker with a Penis. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. And Hooker with a Penis is a great example of that. They they know that they had to sell sell their souls in order to even make it in the music industry and then when fans listen to their you know ep and then their first album and then their second album they're like man you really sold out you really made a, a much more like pop friendly album they're like well you can go choke on a fat dick i don't care <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what selling out even means yeah as you like you know sip a coke yeah, you sip a coke. You have all the tattoos that we told you to fucking get. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 great. It's a it's a fucking great commentary on, you know, just the the industry of being a creator and interacting with people who think they own your creation because they're fans of it in right. some way. And that's exactly what the hipster model is. It's this idea that like, well, I knew about it before you did, so it's mine as opposed <laughs> to yours. It's like that's not how that works. <laughs> We listen to it the same way. This is how you're going to measure all good things in your life. You're going to be pretty fucking disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like man. you're not going to be first in anything. <laughs> it's just not the case anymore. So yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's, maybe if you like eating dirt, <laughs> you even, can be the, not even the facto for that. I don't know, man. There's so many kids with pika out there who just <laughs> eat dirt left and right. Uh, <laughs> So there are there are a lot of songs left on this album that I think are arguably Anima is one of their like you know you you referred to it as their magnum opus album yeah it it could yeah. certainly be uh, looked at that way I personally think that the live versions of Push It and Third Eye that you can find on Salival are better than the album versions mm-hmm. uh, and I would recommend that if you guys can find them they'll, you'll probably find them on YouTube I think yeah, but I definitely they're not agree. on. They're not that live the, version of Push It is amazing. Yeah. It has a, a great fucking breakdown with tablas. It's really sick. Uh, and then the third eye. Um, another. This is another thing about Tool. Like I said, like listening to it again as an adult, you start seeing where, oh, like this is where this idea of how I interact with the entire world came from. Th- these between, uh, between Push It and Anima and Third Eye, and their next album, Lateralis, like most this, of my worldview. <laughs> this has shaped me. <laughs> most of my worldview was, was is from what those songs in some way or another. Like it's been affected in some way or another. What a trip. So uh, we won't listen to all three of them because, you know, we That'd have to leave here at hour. some point. But what we will do is listen to at least the first minute or 90 seconds or so of Anima, the title track. Because okay. I think it's uh, that's definitely worth going to. 
So that song is about L.A. Mm. being a shithole, and he hopes that it... Yeah, more specifically, all about the people of L.A. and the culture and society within yeah. L.A. Not yeah. so much the landscape. Not so much the landscape. But landscape did nothing place. to him, but it's yeah. flat. That's right. And desolate. It's, uh, it's, it's a place filled with people who are trying way too hard to be something they're not, mm. basically. And uh, uh, they focus on the wrong things things that are ephemeral and fleeting and non-consequential in the long term. Yeah. And uh, the end result of that is a, an entire society and culture around the city that's very vapid, um, you know, self-obsessed mm-hmm. and douchey. Yeah. And he's definitely down with it just literally being flushed away into the ocean. He's all about it. He's <laughs> like... And that's, a, that's by the way, again, comes back to the idea of them being kind of really funny and friends with the the um their peers and the in the in the era of which they grew up in which is um bill hicks the comedian bill hicks who is also featured prominently on third eye Mm -hmm. uh his he had a whole joke about arizona bay yeah and the the entire punchline of this song anima is that uh and he says it multiple times that people in la better learn to swim because it's going to be flushed away sooner rather than later and you're going to you're going to just be underwater and you better be ready for that catastrophe when it shows up yeah again with with the layering the 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 fucking symbolism the the social commentary it's it's an a plus a plus plus song absolutely you, you can listen to it and enjoy it and just know that you probably are falling victim and in that class of people that he's talking about. Is this your favorite Tool album? This is my favorite Tool album. But I also, I can't like speak confidently because I've never listened, I haven't listened to any of the other albums like front to back. So I'm going to, I'm going to present this to you. And this is the first time I'm recording this. I'm not going to, we're not going to present any of this. Do you want to spend like another few minutes, talk a little bit more about this album and then have like, tool part two where we talk about the other two albums mm. or do you want to try and like blitz through their other two albums here i say let's blitz through those other two <laughs> albums <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough let's blitz through those other two albums the other two albums we're speaking of are lateralis which came out in 2001 my personal favorite album of theirs and uh, Blue Apocalypse, that's a dope-ass name. It is a dope name. It's actually n- named after uh, Adams, the guitarist, his, his dog. Yeah. Um, anyway, this album, Lateralis, came out in 2001. It's uh, yet another like 75-minute long, gigantic monster of, a, of an album. Um, yeah. And it's got a lot of moving parts to it this was kind of the point in which they graduated from being like a super angry metal band to like really leaning into the prog um and the topics of discussion here are are about like you know transmutation they're about um you know the fibonacci sequence makes is a really big part of this album yeah uh but 
Yeah, there's like there's even people who talk about different ways of listening to this album. Like there's the track listing of these 13 songs, but they also feel like there's different ways of listening. There's different orders to listen to this based off of like the Fibonacci sequence, like what songs you listen to in what order and it changes like the message of the song. Again, Tool Nerds fucking insufferable. Like <laughs> seriously insufferable. I mean, that's really cool. It's cool, but it's a lot. It's a little too much. So It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um so what we're going to do I'm curious, do you have a favorite song off this album? Schism, man. The song that started it all for me. Yeah, that was, that was like the... That was like gave their, me nightmares. I don't know. I don't, was that in the... That wasn't in the eight minutes that never made it. No, no. It might have been. It might have been. Yeah, you mentioned how you listened to Schism. No, no, it wasn't. You talked about it when we hit record. That's, That's right. right. Hell yeah. That made it onto this episode. That's sick. Okay, so Schism's the song. Okay, let's yeah. listen to Schism. Then I can tell you what I think it's about, and then you can tell me what it's actually about. All right. I don't know if I know what it's actually about. Let's find out. song also has a really fantastic bridge in the middle of it. We're going to listen to that too.
And then it goes into the big finale of that song. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking sick. Yeah. We should just do the rest of the songs like that. Just like that. So why is that one your favorite? Um, It's a good question. I, I don't. I genuinely don't really understand much of the lyrics. They're just kind of all over the place or like, I can't, I can't uh, decipher what he's saying. Um, I think it it just, it just rocks. Yeah. I mean, from the very get go, it's like, it, it does like the, uh, like the, the, uh, the, the honey dicking sign <laughs> of all good songs. Like, like very like ding, ding, ding. Yeah like just like setting you up like hey i know you've been waiting but we're we're about to fuck super <laughs> hard and you're like oh shit yeah uh it feels like good like walkout music like if i were to have like a walkout song this could be like one of them that's a cool okay um yeah it just it just hits so hard i like like how that you brought up the bridge like that explosive ending is incredible yeah um i really like the effects that are on his voice i don't I don't know how he does it, but it sounds like he sounds like a like a witch doctor. There's like <laughs> echoes and like um, it's just very um, what's the word like atmospheric sounding. His voices, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that that's that's it. So the song. If I had to take a stab at maybe what the meanings are. Oh hell yeah! I mean, I feel like schism. I mean, the word itself. I think it means like there's a disconnect between. Um, two like, things, yeah, right? Like a break, a disconnect. It's yeah. almost like a, like cognitive dissonance. Like mm-hmm. you're like realizing, uh, you know, maybe like this is the belief that I've held on to, um, but now I'm being presented evidence of the opposite, and like now there's a schism. Like I don't know what to do with these two things. So that's kind of cognitive dissonance, but I don't know. So the song in it's like if you take it on a literal term is very much about. Uh, what he was saying and during the bridge there, he says cold silence has a tendency to atrophy compassion is mm. basically what it was, is what those lyrics are. Something like that, uh, which literally, and it ends with him saying between supposed brothers or between, between supposed lovers like going back and forth between saying that. So he's basically saying that, uh, and a big part of this album is about using what you have, been sort of like subjected to whether it's anger or your experiences or what your day-to-day looks like and turning it into a positive in your life like the entire first five songs of this album seven songs of this album are about that um and it's that same theme that gets repeated over and over again of like your anger isn't controlling you you know you can turn it into a positive Um, But at the same time, this song specifically is speaking about the idea that, you know, you're the only way that you create these relationships is uh, or uh, even foster any sort of real relationship between strangers or even very close people is through communication. Mm. So that's what the music video is kind of about that. But it's in that it's a it's about that. In yeah, like it's a like very they're t- slowly way. turning in the stone because they're not communicating. And I'm really glad you actually mentioned schism because I wanted to talk about uh, the makeup of the band in a, in a, for a second. Okay. Because I don't know if you know this, but the bassist off the first album is not the same bassist off the rest of the. Oh albums. shit! So they that explains why it doesn't maybe sound as heavy. 
it explains no why it, to the yep. group. So the previous <laughs> bassist was named Paul D. Moore. This new bassist who came on with Anima, his name is Justin Chancellor. And you can immediately hear the difference because while they had written a lot of the songs on Anima, they hadn't quite finished them off yet. But this is the first album where you really start seeing his influence starting to come through and the fact that as a band, as like a group, they work so well together on in this album. Okay. Uh, that bass line in the beginning is, is fucking... It's like a perfect example how they use the bass in a way that a lot of bands don't it's it's front and center it's very in your face it's mm-hmm. driving the melody of the song right as opposed to just being part of the rhythm section yeah i mean those chords in the beginning the, that's all the bass mm-hmm. uh the first like that's all the bass yeah uh and the the guitar is actually like kind of complementing the bass as opposed to driving the main part yeah, of yeah that would probably explain why i like tool yeah it's fucking great i I like bass driven rock bands it's fucking great um they also have another song on this album about the music industry it's called ticks and leeches but we're not going to listen to that one just know that it exists (laughs) uh uh, it it feels a little bit like a a fucking um travesty to skip over a parable and parabola but again it's a nine minute song we don't have that time so you got to listen to that on your own uh, I'm just gonna say you have to listen to that one. You gotta listen to that one on your own. Uh, that's a that's a song about you know becoming more than what you are. Uh, but you have to listen to the the title, the title track, track, which okay. is Laterals, and it goes like this. so much to talk about with this one you like this song yeah i was digging it because you have ears yeah and you exist i've never listened to it what i don't think i've ever listened to lateralis oh fuck me okay so So here's another before before we jump in here's another detail all right 
while everyone else didn't have Tool on their streaming services, I had Tool on my streaming service because I originally burnt it to my computer, uploaded it to App- Apple Music oh, Match. Oh, shit. Okay. So it existed. But I never grabbed all the songs from every album. Instead, I had like one CD that had select few on oh, it. Oh, interesting. So I had like all of Anima. Um, I had Schism. I think I had 46 and... Well, 46 and 2 is from Anima. Yeah. Anima. I had some stuff from... Um, from Undertow and um, what's Opiate uh-huh. and I have like two songs from 10,000 Days wow so yeah I so would Lateralis never got played because oh. it's not in my library oh shit <laughs> wow okay so this song is the song that introduced the Fibonacci sequence to everybody okay uh, the Fibonacci sequence is a really simple mathematical uh, sequence which basically says it's the number you're on Plus the number right before it. Right. So one plus is the two first is one. Three. Right. One is the first one. The next one is one because it's one plus zero. Right. And then it's three. And then it's five and eight. And then it's 13, 21, yeah, et cetera, hard. et cetera. <laughs> so the entire song is built around the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci sequence is interesting because it creates a ratio between numbers but we don't climb over Sonny. Sonny's an old man. It creates a ratio between numbers called the golden ratio. Okay. And that's where the Fibonacci sequence really made its mark is because the golden ratio is like a uh, uh, proportions that you find in reality a lot. Right. It's like... With, in, the people's, with people's faces. It's not just faces. It's like plants. It's not just plants. It's like cells. It's not just cells. It's like galaxies all follow the golden ratio in some way or another. It's terrifying. It's really wild. Um, so, and it's it's a very aesthetically pleasing thing. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happens to fit really nicely in things. It also functions to create a spiral that fits into the golden ratio called the golden spiral, which is why at the end of the song, he's always talking about spiraling out. Anyway, my point mm. is, here's how deep into the Fibonacci sequence this song actually gets. The... Um, the lyrics, the verse is <laughs> is saying in the Fibonacci sequence. So I want you to listen to it again. Okay. And I want you to listen to how many syllables he's saying each time. Oh, this is going to be difficult. So the the verse of the song is written one, one, two, three, five, eight, five, three in the syllables that he's saying, which is the Fibonacci sequence, right? Huh. As CrossFitters, by the way, we're very familiar with the Fibonacci yeah, sequence yeah. because of the Fibonacci workout. Yeah, from the CrossFit Games. Correct. Either way, what a trip! That is 
that's wonder why it takes them so long to put out a fucking album. Like, yeah. how many Easter eggs do you have to hide and shit? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm saying people listen to this album in multiple versions of the track listing because you can you can organize because there's 13 tracks, so you can organize it in a lot of different ways depending on how you want to listen to it. Of course, there's 13 tracks. Um, but my, I don't really. It's hard to talk about the song and uh what it's talking about and what it's really digging into without listening to the entire thing and i don't want to put everybody through that you should certainly listen to it okay it's uh it's a really meaningful song i think it it brings up a lot of really interesting points about what it means to uh be present to sort of like choose the life that you're leading each day mm. um it's a really positive this album this entire album is an incredibly positive album uh, probably the exception of Ticks and Leeches, which is just a double birds to the entire music recording industry. <laughs> um, like fuck their lab- their label essentially. Yeah. yeah, and if you if you get a chance, all four members of this band are virtuosos at what they do. Um, they're just the they're just some of the best at what they do. And right. the exception, the the most exceptional example of that is Danny Carey, who's the drummer. Right. He has like a custom drum setup that's like insane, right? He is one of the greatest drummers of all time. I don't know a lot of people that would argue with that. And if you would, you can go fuck yourself. Uh, Incredible. <laughs> if you get an opportunity, if you have not yet had enough, go onto YouTube and watch Danny Carey play this, the drum track for this. There's a video of them from the studio recording of him putting the drum track together. And it is fucking amazing amazing it's just he's just so fucking talented and the last like three minutes of the entire uh song are just furious drumming furious it's awesome it's one of the most impressive things i've ever seen and he does that shit like nightly when they go tour it's really fucking crazy um lateralis is also a song that really leans into the more progressive stuff that they do. Like they talk about the Fibonacci sequence a lot, but it's also built into the music and the, the measures, um, the bars, the, uh, the time, uh, right, uh tempo, the time, the, you know, the rhythm, yeah. that sort of thing. All of it is kind of built into, it. and it's also a really good example of what they do with like polyrhythmic stuff where like one member of the band is playing on one time signature and another member of the band is playing on another time signature. And then they end up meeting in the middle in like this really complicated, but um, aesthetically pleasing sort of yeah. combination. How the fuck does that happen? It's really crazy. Um, polyrhythms are, are a weird thing. I, I, st- I, I remember studying them a lot because I was really confused by what I was listening to. Uh, a really simple polyrhythm goes something like this. So if you can tell one hand is doing a two beat and the other hand is doing a three beat. Right. That's super simple. Yeah. It looked like doing this hand was doing all the work and that one was just. Right. But it felt like when they were together, they were both doing a lot of work. And what they do is like polyrhythms with like fives and eights. That's Or stupid. like sevens and nines. Well, and they have just, to because or like Fibonacci. Sevens and twelves. It's just shit that you'd never fucking do. But they do it anyway. It's great. Um. I, man, I can't believe you've never listened to this song before. You should definitely listen to it at some point. All right. I'm going to do it. 
Now we've got to we've got to move on because we got to blitz through this last song. Got to blitz through this, this last this last album, Ten Thousand Days. In and out, twenty minute adventure. <laughs> so we opened we opened the uh, we opened the entire show up by playing Jambi. Right, Jambi, Jambi. It's uh, that really fucking metal ass song that we started this, the episode with. Ten Thousand Days is named kind of sort of after Maynard's mom. Okay. So she had, God, a better tool fan knows this history better than I do. I want to say a stroke when he was a child. And for about 30 years, a little bit less than 30 years, for about like, yeah, 30 years, let's call it, he was sort of like stuck in this world where his mother, like the best thing in his life was, you know, incapacitated and not present right um and then she passed away sometime in the mid 2000s and marie is his mom and that's why this this album's called Ten Thousand days the title track is called Ten Thousand days but it's part two and part one is called wings for marie mm. and um it's like a, it's a long it's like an 18 minute opus yeah about his mom and you know her trials and tribulations and the stuff that he went through but if when knowing that by the way if you go back and listen to the previous albums if you knowing that story about him the song jimmy right on on anima is about maynard maynard james keaton jimmy yeah being a child um uh in in ohio when that happened i guess uh what a shithole i think a lot of uh schism could potentially be about that as well but either way, 10,000 days. Um, God, where do you start here? Let's, uh, <laughs> all right, we'll do one song. One song? <laughs> we'll do one song. Do you okay. have a favorite off of this album? I'm well, curious. the only song that I have is the, you know, 18 minute opus okay. of Wings for Marie and 10,000 days. Okay, so but I listened to 10,000 days over Wings for Murray. I agree. 10,000 days as a track is a better song. Um it just has a much more flowing rhythm to it. But either way, I I was there by the way the first time they ever played it live. No shit. Yeah, in That's LA. Uh there was like a big thing about whether they were ever going to perform it live because it was so emotional and his mother had just passed away. Christ. Yeah, it was really fucked up. What we're going to listen to is Rosetta Stone. Okay. And the reason we're going to listen to it is because it has everything that we've talked about up until this point about Tool. It's aggressive. It's loud. It's metal. It's progressive. It's layered. It's layered. It's nuanced. It's referencing cultural stuff, in this case, LSD and the invention of it. Oh, wow. And it's also kind of comedic. All right. Sign me the fuck up. Just a 
Okay, so this man, he was talking really fast, talking very, very fast. Uh, he starts like kind of he just starts Jeez. like actually singing right after that. That's kind of like the. Beginning. I felt like that's what was about to happen. Yeah, good, good feel, good, <laughs> good, good feel, good I, feels. Um, I feel like I'm learning. The story of the song is he basically, uh, kind of, sort of, it's about LSD, but at the same time, it's about uh, the character that's singing is this guy who is like no high school education. Uh, security guard at area 51 basically and then uh aliens he like meets aliens is that who's talking at the beginning yeah yeah okay so it's supposed to be so he's like tripping the fuck out yeah, That's yeah. Why he's talking super fast and uh uh he is chosen as the arbiter between humanity and aliens by the aliens that's awesome yeah it's fucking great <laughs> it's fucking great um and like I said, it, it's kind of a culmination of, of a lot of the stuff that they've done in the past. It's this really progressive, like strange time signatures, shifting time signatures, but very fucking heavy in your face, like metal um, at the same time kind of has like this joking, like comedic value to it. But it's layered in that it's a story about um, kind of coming to terms with something you're absolutely unprepared to deal with. And trying to figure out how exactly to best deal with something like that. Uh, in this case, aliens. And in this case, it's it's being an uneducated person who's been chosen to be the sort of arbiter between humanity and aliens. That's in fucking insane. That sounds like peak tool. It is peak tool. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like peak tool, but it's... I it's, mean, it sounds like it's the culmination of all, all it the is. stuff. It is. Um, and it, it kind of... It has a lot to it. I mean, it's like an 11-minute song, so it has a lot going on in it, uh, including some really fucking great guitar work and some really fucking great uh, bass work and drumming. Well, let's skip around a little bit. Let's listen to like another minute or so of it, and uh, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. So the 
the culmination of this story of being chosen as sort of the messenger between humanity and these aliens is that the character forgets what the aliens wanted him to tell humanity. And that's what he's saying. I can't remember what they said. I shit the bed. (laughs) God damn it. I shit the bed. Um, Yeah. So, and it has this really beautiful, you know, uh, bridge to it. Has a really beautiful bridge to it uh, coming up. The, in the drumming was insane. But yeah, that's just like what we listened to. It's it's uh, absolutely incredible. It sounded his just some of the stuff sounded so much different. Like the music sounds relatively the same, but like um, how he's like singing and like performing sounds very different than yeah. anything I've heard from. He before. sings this through uh, a loudspeaker. That's why that's why it sounds that way. That's insane. Yeah, that's why it sounds that way. But. Um, yeah, man. I mean, this has been the longest version of this podcast we've ever done. The longest episode of this podcast we've ever done, I think. It's a little bit over an hour. And wow. I could and honestly... Like, honestly, I didn't feel like we touched on a whole lot. We did not touch on... We could do at least an hour on each individual album. And I would easily be able to fill that. Uh, just because there's so much to each part. And there, each one of them is so layered, so nuanced. There's so much to talk about. All the context around it... Um, you know whether it's personal or social it's just it, there's there's a lot to this stuff and i yeah. really strongly suggest that if you do have the opportunity i mean you don't have to listen to it all straight through but the way they order it tends to run pretty nicely um it, there's there's quite a few tracks that are worth listening to it'd be really impressive to see if uh if they're able to deliver an album like this with fear inoculum not saying that they have to be like beholden to their their old albums but um something with this uh with this many like um so much built into it you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like each one of these songs feels like it would take the average artist uh, a lifetime to put together right from the intricacies between the the time signatures and who's playing and when's when are they when are they playing um, from the verses and, and the meaning behind behind each and every every verse, um, I, I just I I just don't know how that's how that's possible in today's like culture to li- to deliver something like nuanced. Each one of these albums is kind of like you know it's tool, but they're they're unique in like their messaging. Like this one is uh, you know out of the four, I'd say this one has like the least amount of a message to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not familiar with it mostly seems like it's about about his mom um but you know the last one was very much like we're pushing the agenda we're like saying that you're not beholden to what has happened to you that you can turn that energy into positive change um the one before it was like a commentary on la and then undertow was like all about like hate essentially from everything that's happened to you yeah um so it's kind of weird um I feel like they're going to be like in uncharted territory with Fear Inoculum. I guess if the name um, Fear Inoculum indicates anything, I, I don't know. What, what do you think it means? Um, I think it's I think it's a lot more straightforward. That's one thing I've learned about Tool over the years. Uh, they're a lot more straightforward than people give them credit for. People think that they 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 try to sort of like hide their message and you know uh, play play be coy about what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do and as an adult as like a kid i loved that because it was, everything was open to interpretation and there's so many things that are absolutely open to interpretation but you know as an adult listening to their albums 
the interpretation kind of falls away. The the simpler read <laughs> ends up being the more I think accurate read. Yeah. You know, you know, taking the lyrics for their face value and kind of interpreting the symbolism in them as close to reality as possible tends to be the best move. The best move. And I think Fear Inoculum is really a, about that. It's about this like need for society and people in general to inoculate themselves from fear but the way that you inoculate yourself from anything inoculation requires you to have a small dose of it like mm. have a dose of something that's bad for you in order to have a good outcome in the, in the long term right. it's like the same way that vaccines work you're inoculating yourself to a vaccine by exposing yourself to the contagion that you're trying to be immune from mm -hmm. and so i think that's the the message of what fear inoculum is trying to do at, the, at least what the song is trying to do um because it's it's it seems to be lyrically very much about this idea of like exposing yourself and becoming out better because of it so who knows if that's what they're actually going to do or not but i don't know i don't know i mean maynard never returns my texts that's very strange what a dick what a dick uh either way uh this has been a lot of fun like I said, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking about this band because it absolutely is my favorite band, bar none. Like I'm totally down to come back to it. Um, I mean, I feel like next week's going to be devoted to, uh, or not next week, but the next episode yeah. is going to be devoted to Fear Inoculum. Um, but maybe we, I don't know, who knows? Fuck it. I'm down to do another Tool episode. We have no agenda here. We don't. There's no sponsors. No, there isn't. We didn't sell out. God damn it. Well, you didn't sell. I sold out, but we, yeah. we both. <laughs> how much did you get i got nothing <laughs> i got some free bcaas hell yeah uh <laughs> go ahead and, and hit them with your social medias dude. Uh, i'm at chase 504 on instagram uh and on youtube where you can find the uh the eight missing minutes oh, yeah. of this episode if so you were bad. wondering what shenanigans shenanigans happens it was a good eight minutes Home depot too. it was a really good eight minutes you're gonna want to tune in uh, and you can find me at Arm and Hammer TV. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, really appreciate it. We are, you know, taking suggestions for albums and stuff. You can message yeah, either you myself or Chase, them and we will just keep neglecting to do. It's them. true because I we, we always come up with something else that we want. We won't do. talk about Post Malone. No, never. Probably not going to talk about Cardi B. No, what? Why would I ever do that? Yeah, probably not going to talk about. Um, probably not going to talk about honestly anything that gets written in. No, unless it's good. So just keep trying and maybe you'll, maybe you'll suggest something good and we'll actually do it. Uh, the oh, last, yeah. the, this last part where we, where we exit here and there's song playing, well, I'm going to choose a song, another song off of 10,000 days. Uh, one thing that gets neglected a lot to mention is the fact that Maynard is a really talented vocalist, a very, very talented vocalist. So we're going to, we're going to finish this off by listening to the pot. Thanks so much, folks. We'll see you guys later. Good night. Who are you to wave your finger? You must have been out your head. I hold deep in muddy waters. You practically raised the.